Welcome to Uplifting Women Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Join our co-hosts, Holly Tesca and Kristen Strunk, thought partners in the world of leadership, equality, and personal and professional development. Listen as they bring stories of inspirational women and their allies who are working every day for authentic leadership, equality, and inclusion in business, education, and community. These are the stories of the people whose mission it is to ensure others are seen, heard, and respected. They've overcome challenges in the workplace and the world or supported other women in doing so. Holly and Kristen are committed to uplifting women's voices, sharing inspiration, advice, and maybe even a few laughs from women and their allies about the work they are doing to promote inclusion and equality in our world. They believe that by sharing stories of challenge and triumph, we can all make the world a better place as we inspire others to step fully into their personal leadership space. We are so happy you have joined us today for our conversation. Welcome to this episode of Uplifting Women podcast. I'm Kristen Strunk here with my co-host Holly Tesca, and we're talking today with Joe B. Murray. Joe B. Murray likes to say that she has lived many lives already from studying aerospace engineering to helping make Tinkerbell fly, to driving a box truck full of crocs across the country and living overseas. All these things have given her a desire for knowledge and a sense of adventure that has very little risk of failure. After 15 years in retail management and operations, a move back to the U.S. from living in Singapore and the birth of her first child, she made the decision to follow her passion for baking. She has always realized a love for baking, but during her years of living overseas, she realized it was also a form of therapy. Knowing her extensive retail experience gave her the knowledge and ability to run a business. She wanted to advance her own baking skills and studied pastry and baking at Escoffier School of Culinary Arts, receiving her degree shortly after her daughter's first birthday. She started her first business, Smash a Cake, in Colorado in 2014. While making her child's first smash cake, she realized that this was something other parents might appreciate an adorable one-of-a-kind smash cake for their little one. Plans changed, however, when they moved across the country and her second child was born. Due to restrictions in the state of Wisconsin, the business was put on hold, but she's not the type of mom to sit at home with young children, so she jumped into social activities like story times and exploring her new city. She quickly found Toddlers on a Mission, Now Kids Impact Community, and she knew she had found the supportive, empowering group she was looking for. In January of 2019, she relaunched her cake business. By this time, her kids were starting school, and she had more freedom to find a new direction. She wanted to find her design style, build clients strategically, and most importantly, to find a balance between work and life that fit her family. While creating a supportive local baking community, and continuing to promote and support Kids Impact Community as the president of the board of directors. Most recently, she has become a founding member of the Wisconsin Cottage Food Association and is working closely with some inspiring women to advance cottage baking in the state and nationwide. Welcome, and thank you so much for being here. So it was, so baking is therapy. It really always has been, and it's one of those things that took me 
until a little later in life to realize where it fit in my life. But then again, looking back, I always, home ec was always my favorite subject. You could always find me after school in the home ec office, in the home ec room with the teacher working on something, making pies or testing out recipes or things like that. And then all through college, looking back, I'm like, oh, didn't everybody like make their roommates muffins and bake cookies for the boys next door and bring all the ingredients to bake a cake for somebody's birthday to their house? I, I think that being young, you're just like, doesn't everybody do this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Best neighbor ever. I think right. you would be, you would be called best neighbor ever. <laughs> and especially if you're baking cookies for the guys in the dorm, in the hall, down the hall in the dorms, you must've had plenty of dates. So. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't engineering school. The ratios were good. <laughs> so that's really cool. And you started your first business when you were out in Colorado in 2014. Because you made a a smash cake for your first child's first birthday, which is really cool. It was an epiphany. So going to pastry school after my daughter was born, I was done with being at Crocs and I wasn't really sure what my next step was there. So took an elimination of position, which I happily was granted. And it was very mutually beneficial. And I was, I'd been there for seven years and adore the company, but it was just, As a new mom and not really knowing what I wanted to do next, just needed some time to figure that out. So started off as a stay-at-home mom and then is in Boulder, Colorado, and they offered night classes. So I was able to go to pastry school in the evenings and then watch again, obviously care for my daughter during the day. And my husband was at work and it definitely made for some long nights, but it worked out great for me. I loved being able to go in the evenings and bake and meet other amazing people. My colleagues or my classmates and I were still really good friends and we talked back and forth, which is just to make those relationships is, was very valuable. What's um, the coolest thing you ever, you ever made in pastry school? What's, what do you, or, or maybe I should say the hardest thing. Pastry school really was all about the technique and learning a handful of techniques and then how to modify them. I've never been a fan of frosting, like for cake frosting. I've never liked cake frosting. And so in pastry school, I actually learned how to make Swiss meringue buttercream. And after making Swiss meringue buttercream, oh no, I like this frosting. I am just very particular about my frostings. And so I never really liked cakes until, until going to pastry school. And so it's funny when I went into pastry school, I'm like maybe bread, pie, I don't know what exactly I want to do, but cake was never on my radar as what I would do with my business after I finished pastry school. And then I learned how to make Swiss meringue buttercream and we got into the fondant and cake decorating. And, oh, it's Play-Doh. Like it's, it's, I get it now. (laughs) So you did that out in Colorado and then you moved back to Wisconsin to be near family. So it was a bit of, again, back to my idea that I'm always where I need to be when I need to be there. And that kind of everything happens for a reason. In 2015, we one of my best friends from college passed away from cervical cancer and she was 35. She had a daughter who was in kindergarten. I had my little ones. My little guy was a little less than a year and my daughter was two. And so we had, I had gone out to see her before she passed, which was amazing. I was very glad to have that time with her, but she 
didn't live close to her family. And so her dad wasn't able to be there when she passed away. She had lost her mom when we were in college together. So I remember being with her on the night that her mother passed away and knowing that they weren't together and just, it was a lot. It was really heavy. So she passed away. It was Labor Day weekend of 2015. And my brother had his daughter September 2nd. And my husband from Colorado is like, Hey, I got offered a job in Milwaukee and (laughs) all of these things. And I had always said since I left for college that I wouldn't come back to Wisconsin. Like I had had my time. I had a great childhood growing up, but I just, I wasn't coming back. Like I just, I, there were more places to go and things to do. And people to meet. And so I, I said to my husband, I'm like, this is literally the only time in my life where I will say yes to us moving back to Wisconsin or for me to move back to Wisconsin. He is from New York, but I just knew that it was everything. It made sense. It just made sense. And we just almost on a whim where it was very much like he got offered a job. My best friend passed away and my brother had his daughter and I just knew it was time to be closer to everybody. The universe everything lined up just perfectly Mm -hmm. at the same time. Wow. It's almost like a message. Right. Yep. So I try to listen. (laughs) Good for you. And that's really important. I think, I think you're right. I think the universe does bring us what we need, but I also think you have to be open and aware to hearing it because we we don't always want to hear what's going on. Cause it's easy. It's easy to stay with what we're doing, even if we're not content or we're not happy or we don't necessarily see the next step. And That's yeah, scary. Know. You know, you made this declaration years ago. I don't want to live in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You traveled all over the cotton picking place, lived in some really interesting spots. I can't imagine what it's like. How long were you in Singapore? Two and a half years. Okay. So not super long. Was that your job or your husband's job? It was my job. And then he got hired on with Crocs as well. So we were both working for Crocs at the time um, while we were in Singapore, which worked out amazing. And I would have stayed. It's again, we go back to those. Should I have done that? Should we have come back? Should we have stayed in Singapore instead? And the, the contract was up and we were, I was pregnant and we were just scheduled to come back. It's those questions of, should we have stayed and should we have just found new jobs over there and just have done it? Mm-hmm. But again, it's, it's all part of the learning. It is part of the learning. So then you come to Wisconsin and Now, I I know that we talked about this previously. They have different kinds of laws around having home food prep. So what was that like to (laughs) to learn all that? Up until five years ago, it was illegal to sell baked goods out of your house in Wisconsin. It does. Isn't that crazy? And it's still, we still don't have any actual laws on the book. Thanks to a judge's ruling, it is just currently not illegal to sell baked goods out of your house and they have to be baked and they have to be non-hazardous, which means they can't require refrigeration. That means there's no cheesecakes, things like that, but there's also no Rice Krispie treats. There's no marshmallows. There's no hot cocoa bombs are not under the purview of our current judge's ruling. So because they're not baked. Exactly. So things that seem inherently safe, like a chocolate dipped pretzel, for example, is not allowed. If you buy the pretzel from the store and you buy the chocolate from the store and you dip it, it is 
not allowed to be sold out of your house in Wisconsin. But if you make your own pretzels and dip them in chocolate, then you can sell them. So we're still struggling in this state for some actual food freedom laws and ways of making it clear and understanding there. Again, we can't be regulated by Department of Agriculture or any entity because there aren't any laws to govern us. So we're really operating out of this strange gray area right now and have been for the last five years where it's thanks to a judge's ruling, we can bake, but we don't have any real set kind of regulation. So we utilize best practices from surrounding states and we're very involved in other organizations in other states to figure out what their food freedom laws look like and what are the best practices that are going on and how can we emulate those here in Wisconsin. So are there a lot of other states? Nope. We are the only one that doesn't have any sort of regulations. And we were up until five years ago, we, us in New Jersey, were the only two states where you couldn't bake out of your house to sell to consumers. And New Jersey, finally, it became legal last year, I believe. And their legislature immediately had a law passed. So they've got regulations, they have systems in place, they have documentation that you need, all of those things to be an actual cottage food baker. So here in Wisconsin, we're the only state that doesn't have any sort of laws on the books regulating home bakers. That that just strikes me as very odd for America's dairy land. Yep. That's part of it is that, so not to get too super political, but the, it's being the legislature and the, the government isn't super on board with cottage bakers to begin with. And because of that, they're not willing to pass any laws that help us to run businesses. And so we've been really lucky with Institute of Justice, for example, bringing lawsuits to hopefully force the legislature to have to do something or at least give us more freedom in being able to to do other things that are non-hazardous. So it's, it's very... It's, it's uh, quite an interesting place to be in. So I guess so. Not the place that you want to move to if you want to be a home baker. But at the same time, it gives us also a lot of freedoms. Like we don't have revenue caps and we don't have paperwork we have to fill out or any sort of hoops we have to jump through in order to start a business. We literally just decide we're going to start a business and we start a business. And oh. there's something to be said for that. It just seems so odd though that they wouldn't want you under some oversight body to yeah. make sure you there were certain rules, regulations that were being followed, whatever. It just seems yeah. it, I'd never heard of anything so silly in my life, but I guess. Well, let's look at our current, our, our overall government is not really big yeah. on like clarity and like. <laughs> this is true. My bad. When you moved back to Wisconsin, your bio tells me you're not the type of mom, stay-at-home mom to sit around with the kids. Well, somehow I knew that already. <laughs> go figure, go figure. And you found a place called Toddlers on a Mission, which is now called Kids Impact Community. And I'd love for you to share with our listeners, what's that all about? Because when you explained it to me, I was like, holy smokes, what a cool idea. So what's now Kids Impact Community was started by two moms in the North Shore 
that had just become stay-at-home moms themselves and were looking for ways to volunteer. And they started to look around and realized that there was an age requirement for most volunteering opportunities. So Habitat for Humanity or Ronald McDonald House and those kind of locations all require you to be 14 or above. And so as stay-at-home moms are like, but we have young children. We don't want to find babysitters for them so we can volunteer. Like we want to do something with our children. And so they looked around and realized that there wasn't anything available um, that they could find. And so they decided to start it themselves. And so they reached out to St. John's on the Lake was their first, the first project that they did. And they made cookies for the residents, a small group of a couple families made cookies. And then they trick-or-treated soon after that, at the end of October. And so, and it was just such a great partnership to be with the older adults and to have the toddlers there and to be able to go around and trick or treat and everybody dressed up, the residents dressed up, the kids dressed up. It's, it was just an amazing experience for everyone. And that intergenerational connection that was able to be made. So from there, it's just really grown and expanded. We did over a hundred events last year, and that was in the middle of the pandemic. 110, I think is what we ended up with. We have thousands of families that volunteer with us and donate their time and resources and money and energy to help us to to fulfill our mission. The mission of Kids Impact Community is to empower children of all ages to work with their caregivers, to build relationships and strengthen the Milwaukee community through partnerships and service experiences in an inclusive environment. That's so cool. And we really, it's, we are really for all ages. So whether it's a two-year-old who's putting oranges into a lunch bag or the eight-year-old who collects books for their birthday um, and then donates it to one of our projects, we had families packing diapers for the Milwaukee diaper mission this last week to help other families in need that, and to see where the need is in Milwaukee and then to find a way for us to bridge those gaps um, mm-hmm. that exist is really a big part. I just love the fact that you're teaching children at an early age to get involved in their community and volunteer. I think that's so important. So kudos to the two moms that started it. And kudos to the rest and kudos to the rest of you for keeping it going and, and expanding the program so much. Yeah. We really work to partner with other amazing organizations in Milwaukee and working with them to see where our kids can fit in to be helpers. So it's a lot about opening those doors as well with other organizations to show them that kids can, that they're capable of doing these things. And they are more than enthusiastic to be involved and be engaged and want nothing more than to give back and to be in, to help whether in whatever form that takes. And so, and then really it's one of those things that just will last with them for their whole lives of that. This is just what you do. You help people and you help your community and you stay engaged and know what's going on. So, yeah, really cool. Kristen, I know you had some questions too, so I don't want to totally dominate the whole conversation, although I've pretty much done that. (laughs) So when you think about the power of 
mothers and parents in this journey of teaching children about being involved in their community or being a entrepreneur in your home? What are some of the values you think that that helps your children learn in terms of what you want them to take away and grow up with? A big part of it is community. Like, I think that's that we've lost a lot of our connection to each other and our neighbors and and our sense of community. And it makes it very easy to say nasty things on the internet or to speak unkindly to somebody, even when they're in front of your face. And a lot of these things that I want my kids to see, I want them to see the challenge of challenges of the world. But I also want them to know that they're capable of doing something about it. I think we're at a point in our society where we're finally starting to recognize a lot of the the challenges and the racial issues that we've that have always been there that we haven't necessarily paid attention to or have wanted to see. And I want my kids to know that these challenges exist, but that that they are also responsible for fixing them. And I think with owning a business is the same kind of idea is that you can build a community by using your business and you can meet amazing people and help others. And you can also change. You can be the change that, that you want to see, and you can find solutions for a problem. When you see it, there are ways to do that either through a nonprofit or through a business entity. And sometimes, and a lot of times those things work well together of serving that mission. So cool. So very cool. And how appropriate as you, as I think about the many layers to that response, helping children to not, not high, not keeping that from them, but putting it right in front of them to say, here's the world we live in. And you do have the power to do something. Right. Because I think we're, our kids are capable of so much more than we give them credit for. I'm always amazed at, at when I give when we give kids a challenge that they rise to the occasion every time the last two years have proven that the, the strides that they have taken to protect their family and their community and the sacrifices that they have had to make with missing birthdays and friends and not being able to see family as much. And all of those things, I think they have really risen to the occasion. I'm optimistic to see how that's going to shape this generation and what they're going to take out of it and what moral values are going to arise that they're going to prioritize in kind of that next generation of society. Like, (laughs) how is this going to impact them? And I think things like having kids impact community helps to give them agency in the world that, that they're in and and ownership over their lives even, and and that they can take responsibility. Are there other examples of that across the country? There's a, there are a few organizations that are similar. So there's Chicago has honeycomb project. There's little hands can out in Oregon. So I think there's more and more, but it's really we're getting there. And I think this is where service projects and there be more of family volunteering in the future. I think there's real potential for more. Absolutely. So as our last question, I'm curious, what advice would you give to our listeners about either 
career paths or journeys and community involvement and building that community um, from scratch, where would you like our listeners to focus in those areas? Oh man. What would you have told your 20 year old self? I think mm, a lot of it goes back to that. You're where you need to be when you need to be there. And uh, that idea that everything happens for a reason and whether you can see how it's going to turn out or not, and is okay. And to be able to use those failures or what's perceived as a failure as a lesson versus taking it personally and thinking that you can't do something because of a failure, but turning it on its head and saying that, okay, I, what did I learn from this experience versus focusing on kind of the negative side of things and always be ready to learn and to know that, that no matter what happens, you're going to learn something from it. Very true. <laughs> so where can our listeners find you either from a bakery perspective or from a community involvement perspective? Kick in, Kids Impact Community is kick, K-I-C-M-K-E dot O-R-G. And that's our website. You can sign up for our newsletter, which comes out. We only do it monthly, but it tells you all of the upcoming projects we have going on and all of the different ways to get involved. So that's a great way to keep in touch with us there. And then if you need a cake for family celebrations or kids' birthday parties, I'm at jobybakes.com. So that's J-O-B-E-A. B-A-K-E-S.com. And then same with social media for both of those as well. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Joby, for sharing your story with us and and our listeners today. You truly are amazing. Your energy, your spirit, your can-do attitude, the eternal optimist. I love that about you. The world needs lots of people that just grab the bull by the horns and run like you have and are fearless and in trying new things and and discovering so keep doing all the great work you're doing your kids are going to grow up to be amazing human beings because of the foundation you're laying with them and it's just been a delight to get to know you so thank you again perfect thank you so much for the pleasure i really appreciate it awesome lovely good thank you Thank you so much for listening in on this latest episode of Uplifting Women Podcast. Holly and Kristen appreciate your dedication to Uplifting Women and look forward to you joining them again soon. This podcast is sponsored by UpliftingWomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Please visit your favorite platform where you found this podcast to leave a review. If you are an uplifting woman or a man who champions women's success with a story to share, Kristen and Holly would love to talk to you please visit upliftingwomen.net and leave us a message.